what, if you've been here the last five weeks of our series as we have uh, talked about and taught about uh, heaven, it, it's not something that we just have to blindly imagine because the Bible tells us very clearly exactly what heaven is like. And that's what we've been studying for the last month at our church as we've been uh, gearing up for Harvest Sunday. Uh, but what's cool is to have an opportunity in life where not where you're responsible for someone hearing about heaven, um, but where you have the, uh, where you have the blessing uh, to be able to help someone hear about heaven. You know, I have, uh, I have a lot of roles that I, go, that I go by in life. I have a lot of names uh, that different people call me according to the roles that I keep. You know, to, uh, to my kids, uh, I'm dad. And probably my favorite title in the world uh, is dad, unless my daughter says it more than 10 times in 30 seconds. And then it's annoying. But other than that, I, you know, I love hearing the word dad. Um, to, uh, to my mom and dad, I'm a son. Uh, to, my, to my two sisters, my older sister and my younger sister, I'm a brother. Uh, to a lot of kids in, in uh, uh, youth sports, uh, I'm a coach. Um, to some kids, I'm a, uh, I'm a former teammate or I'm a former classmate. Um, Danielle, I just asked her to call me the man. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's kind of her title. Just, uh, just kidding. She calls me a lot of things, and some of them I shouldn't say. Um, in church, both both good and bad, but we, we work on that in marriage counseling from time to time. Um, but I, I fulfill a lot of roles, but I've only been introduced once the way that my best friend introduced me at his wedding. Uh, my best friend in the world, is uh, his name is Todd. We grew up together. Uh, he's kind of that childhood friend that from seventh grade through senior high, I think we saw each other every day of our lives. We ate lunch uh, every day together. We played sports together, uh, all three sports together for, uh, for six years. I mean, we, we were as close as people could be, and I had the opportunity right before our senior year of high school, Todd, even though he was my best friend, even though I, you know, I loved him like he was a brother, I had never invited him to church, he knew that I was a Christian, but I never told him about Jesus, and I got real convicted in my heart that, you know, I, I didn't know if Todd knew what it took to get to heaven, I didn't know if Todd knew anything about heaven, so I had the opportunity right before my senior year to talk to Todd about Jesus and about heaven, uh, and I had an opportunity to show Todd, hey, here's what the Bible says, here's what you need to do. Uh, and right before our senior year, Todd, you know, Todd became a Christian, he gave his life to Jesus. Um, and at his wedding, you know, Todd and I had that relationship where, you know, for six years we were together every day, and then he went off to the University of Miami of Ohio to play baseball. I went to Liberty University uh, in Virginia to play football, and we kind of for four years didn't really see each other because we were busy doing our own things. And he calls me up and he says, hey, I'm getting married, uh, I want you to be in my wedding can you be here at this point in time uh, to walk down with me and be one of my groomsmen? I said, oh, of course. What day is it? And he told me what day it was, and it was the day we got home from youth camp. I was a, a youth pastor at the time, uh, so I had to miss his rehearsal, uh, but I would show up an hour before the wedding started and walk down the aisle with Todd. And because I was a pastor, I'd done a lot of weddings. I wasn't nervous about walking down, standing. I knew how all that worked. I had my tux taken care of and ready for me. But I was one of the only friends from high school that was in the wedding. The rest of them were college guys. I didn't know them. I hadn't met them. Um, I'd never been with any of them personally. And they had kind of, for a whole week, they'd been hanging out together. So when I showed up on Saturday, I, you know, I felt kind of awkward because I was the odd man out. I was the guy who wasn't at the rehearsal dinner. I wasn't at the rehearsal. I hadn't been at the bachelor party. I was just kind of the guy who showed up last minute. And I kind of thought, you know, I wonder what these guys are going to think of me. I wonder if this is going to be awkward. And when I walked into the room, I hadn't seen Todd in two or three years other than talking to him on the phone. Uh, I walked into the room. They were downstairs getting dressed. I remember it. had my tux over my shoulder, walked into the room, and uh, Todd said, Hey, guys, this is Christian. He's the guy who led me to Christ. 
He's the only person in my life who's ever introduced me that way as someone who helped him discover who Jesus is. The opportunity we have as a church, and you have next week, is the opportunity that I just presented before you. You have the opportunity by inviting someone to church. You have the opportunity to lead someone to hear about Jesus so they can make up their own mind and heart about it. We can't force anyone to love Jesus. We can't force anyone to accept Jesus. But we can be the person that maybe one day someone will say, hey, this is so-and-so. They were the person that invited me to church so I could hear about Jesus and have my life changed. And that's what this whole series has been targeted towards, uh, being able to have spiritual impact on, on the lives of people who are alive and well on planet Earth and interacting with us daily. But what we find interesting about the Bible in Luke chapter 16, where we're going to be today, is not only do we find out what people on earth think about us telling others about Jesus, but we see what people in eternity want us to learn. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. If you don't have your Bibles, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. If you forgot a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, just holler at them, wave at them. They'll give you one. We're going to read almost all of Luke 16, so you can have a Bible on your lap. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep this one. It's yours to keep. We've given away more than 300 this way. Uh, If you do have a Bible, but you just forgot it, take it, throw it on the table when you leave. But today we're going to read Luke chapter 16, and we're going to learn today what people in eternity want us to learn. If somebody in our life who has gone before us into eternity could come back and talk to us, Luke chapter 16 presents three things that uh, more than likely they would say to us. And Luke chapter 16, if you remember, is, is connected to Luke chapter 15. Two weeks ago, we asked the question, what makes heaven party? And Jesus told us in Luke chapter 15 that when, uh, when people hear about Jesus and they place their faith in Jesus and they place their faith in an eternity in heaven, that heaven parties over that, that it's really cool. So we transition from Luke 15. Hey, you need to make sure people know about Jesus so they can hear about heaven, so they can make up their mind whether or not they want to follow Jesus, to Luke chapter 16, where by the time we get to the end of Luke chapter 16, we see a conversation happening between two guys who have died and who are in in eternity, and they're saying, look, you need to help us communicate to people back on earth some very important things. So today we're learning what people in eternity want us to learn. And I tell you what, man, this message, I've been studying it all week long, Uh, If you're not a Christian, if you don't believe the Bible, uh, if you're not into church, this message still has tremendous value for you just in the life lessons that it teaches that I think all of us at the end of our life would reflect back on and say, this is really, really good stuff. So listen intently, take some notes, learn what the Bible says today about what people in eternity want us to learn. We learn three things, three values. The first value, uh, we learn as we look forward. Uh, We learn the value of planning ahead in our lives. And it's one of the most awkward stories in the Bible that Jesus uses to get our attention spiritually. But man, it's really interesting. Jesus looks at somebody who's doing something that all of us would consider unethical, and he said, you need to look at, look at the motive behind what he's doing, and you need to apply that to your life spiritually. We learn about the value of planning ahead. Where is that? Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. And the manager said to himself, what am I going to do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. 
So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my masters? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light or spiritual people. I tell you, Jesus says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. Now, I want you to underline two words here because, again, you read this and you're like, this is the oddest bit of spiritual advice that I have ever seen in, in my life. But you have to see what Jesus is saying. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. Jesus says this. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. And here's, here's what he said. I want you to underline this next part. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. And then he says this in, in, uh, in verse 9. I tell you, use your worldly wealth. Wealth is a bad word there, but we'll use it because it's there in the NIV. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. Here is what Jesus is saying. There are people who don't believe spiritually, who don't care spiritually, who aren't thinking about eternity, but they continually plan ahead so they never find themselves in a bad situation. He said if people who don't care about spiritually, people who aren't even ethical, will plan ahead so they never find themselves in a bad situation, shouldn't we who are spiritual plan ahead so we don't find ourselves in a bad spiritual position? And he said more than that. Shouldn't we use, and the, the Bible says here, worldly wealth, but a, a better term if you were just, if you put it in context, Jesus says, shouldn't you use your time on earth to prepare for eternity? Like, isn't that a good idea? Jesus said people who aren't spiritual think about how to plan ahead more than people who are spiritual do. So Jesus said, let's all get focused on the future. And not just the future of our lives, but let's get focused on eternity and let's use our time here and now and let's make it count for eternity. You know, you and I have a lot of good people in our lives. Good people, family, friends, uh, neighbors, coworkers, maybe employees or employers. But they have never once stopped to think about eternity. They've never once stopped to think about what happens after this life. Say, why? It's just not on their radar. Because it's not on their to-do list this week. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, man, if anyone could come back from eternity, I think they would tell us, use your time on earth wisely. And it's not that we want to all go around thinking about dying, but Jesus says thinking about eternal things from time to time is actually good for you spiritually. Look at what Solomon, who the Old Testament says Solomon was one of the wisest kings to ever live. He has published as many books as some of, uh, some of any kings in the ancient Near Eastern time, 3,000 years ago. The Bible says he wrote over 3,000 proverbs. He wrote over 1,000 songs. I mean, th this guy was an intellectual's intellectual. And Solomon asked this question in Ecclesiastes 7. He said, people shouldn't wait till death to think about eternity. Like, they should, they should, it should be on their radar all the time. They, they should see the value of planning ahead. And here's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. This is kind of the diary he wrote at the end of his life summing up for his son, for his nation, for those people who followed him, things that were really important in life. And he said, it's better to spend your time, listen to this, this is crazy. It's better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. 
So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Solomon said, listen, listen. If you never think about the future and eternity, you're a fool. It's foolish. It's foolish to only think about today and not ever think about the future and eternity. And he said here, you know, go to some funerals. Why? He said they have a refining influence on our soul. You know, I was at a funeral when God cemented in my heart that I was supposed to leave what I was doing and start this church at a funeral. God had kind of spoken into my heart at a conference that I was at in Seoul, Korea. And I came home from that conference in Seoul, Korea, and a good friend of mine, 60 years old, uh, had just passed away. And I came back to go to his funeral, and at his funeral, his three sons, who had been in my youth ministry, spoke. I think they were 21, maybe 19, and 17. And as his, as, as his sons got up and spoke about their dad, and the impact that their dad had had on them, and the life that, that, that their dad le- led for them, and the, the character of their dad, I sat at that, and I, I, here's the thought I had sitting at that funeral on the front row with those boys who had been in my youth ministry. I thought, you know, if I died today, my kids would not say I was who I wanted to be because God has called me to do something different than I'm doing, and if I don't do it, man, one day my kids could stand at a funeral and they could say a lot of things about me, but they would never say I chased my dream of helping hurting people. I chased my dream of seeing people far from God become passionate Christians that, that in turn, turn made a difference in the world. And it was at that funeral, it was like God said, you have to do this, because one day you're going to die and your kids are going to stand up. What are they going to say about you? Are they going to say you were who you wanted to be? You know, we, we, uh, planning ahead spiritually is, is, one of the, um, is, is one of the key foundations of the New Testament. In November, our church will go through a teaching series called Biblical Economics, And the thing you find out when you study what the Bible has to say about money more than anything is it says plan ahead, think ahead. Can I give you my favorite fact of today? Do you know that Christmas is 100 days from today? I love Christmas, man. I am like Clark Griswold. You know, I mean, I love Christmas. I was in my storage room the other day and I saw my Christmas tree and I literally stopped for a minute and thought, now is it too early to put it up? It's like, yeah, you know, it's only Labor Day. I I should wait. Um, Man, I look at my bushes and I think about what they look like. With, I mean, I love Christmas. But you know what? Usually I get about two weeks from Christmas before I realize, like, I got to buy some stuff. I haven't planned ahead. The Bible continually talks about planning ahead spiritually. And Solomon says, listen, just every now and then, don't dwell on death, but every now and then, think about eternity because it'll make your present better. Value number two. The Bible says that we need to realize the value in Luke chapter 16 of an open door. We need to realize the value of an open door. When, when there is a place and a time to move forward in our faith and to move forward spiritually. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16. I'm going to jump down to verse 16 and we're going to read verses 16 and 17. Then I'm going to break this down for you because it's, it's really cool and, and, and we'll give a really funny picture of this. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus, verse 16, it says, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God, heaven, is being preached. And everyone is forcing their way into it. Then Jesus says, it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. You say, Christian, what in the world are you talking about? I don't understand what you just read. Here's what Jesus said. The law and the prophets, we would call that the, the Old Testament. 
For those of us who have like an English Bible with two parts, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus said the Old Testament, religious people have been talking about the Old Testament for a long time. But Jesus says when John came, that's John the Baptist, if you haven't heard of him, he was Jesus' cousin, John started talking about not the Old Testament. He, he quit looking backwards and he started looking forward. John started talking about heaven. John started talking about the kingdom of God. John said, let's forget about what happened in the past and let's focus forward on heaven and the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, since John started talking about the kingdom of God, man, everyone's forcing their way into it. Now, Jesus was talking here. Really, he was arguing with a group of, group of people that, that the Bible calls Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Who were These were, do any of you know an annoying religious person? That's what the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes were. They were the annoying religious people. And they thought they knew everything, but their heart didn't prove that they loved God or loved people at all. They just, they just like went to church all the time, did a bunch of spiritual stuff, knew a bunch of spiritual things. And Jesus had ticked them off previously because Jesus talked about the, the, the shrewd manager, and then he got done talking about the shrewd manager and looked right at the Pharisees who were kind of in church for the business of church. It was a good job. It paid well. It provided well for them and their families. It gave them a prestigious place in society. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees. He's speaking about money. He said, you guys need to quit serving money because you can't serve both God and money. And he said, you, you're just serving money. And they got really mad at him. And they said, well, you know, all you, you, you're ignoring the Old Testament, you know, trying to do your own thing. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. All I have done is opened a door. And, and then he goes for their throats and he says this. This is what he said in Luke 16, 16 and 17. He said, I have changed the message. He said, your message spiritually is keep out. You're not good enough. You're not allowed. You're not religious like us. You don't go to church as much as we do. Boy, you don't know as much spiritually as we do. Your message to people who are far from God is keep out. He said, I have changed the message to get in. And that's why you're upset. Because I have given other people access to your God, to your eternity, to your kingdom of God. And he said, that makes you mad. And a matter of fact, Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, his message of get in rather than keep out. Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, write that word yoke on, on your sermon notes if you have your pen and your note out. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we hear yoke and we think about eggs. Or, you know, maybe if you know anything about agriculture, you hear yoke and you think about uh, a piece of wood that goes over uh, two oxen to keep them together. But 2,000 years ago, when a teacher had a religious teaching, his teaching was called a yoke. And what they would say is, hey, have you heard this new teacher and his yoke? It was his style of teaching. It was his message. And what Jesus was saying this is, hey, my message, my style is this. Man, it's real easy to follow God. Just come on. Everyone who's been trying to be religious and everyone who's been trying to keep up spiritual, everyone who's tired of trying to be religious and you don't think you can do it, but you still want God in your life and you want to have a relationship with Jesus, come to me for my yoke, my method of teaching and what I say it takes to have a relationship with God. It's easy. It doesn't lay a whole lot of burdens on you. Just come to me. Versus, Jesus said in Luke eleven forty six and 52, he said, here's what you tell people. So my teaching is easy. Jesus replied to the experts of the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry. And you yourselves won't lift one finger to help them. Woe to you experts in the law. You've taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves haven't entered and you hinder those who are entering. Jesus says, not only are you trying to help people know who God is, you're keeping them away. 
You're making it so hard. You're telling people that they have to be perfect before they can have a relationship with God. Who can do that? She said, you're making it hard on people. He said, you've taken away the key. What is the key? The key is Jesus. Jesus says, I'm here now. And he said, the door is so open. He said, people are now trying to force their way into eternity. Because people have always wanted to be close to God. They just didn't know how. And the way you told them was impossible. So he said, man, the key has been turned. The door is open and people are forcing their way in. When, when you read forcing your way in, here's what you need to think of. Think Black Friday at Walmart, right? That, that's what Jesus said. Jesus is like, there's an uncontrollable crowd that's trying to get into heaven. Now, I think of Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving, at Walmart as, as much more like hell than heaven. Have any of you ever been to Black Friday at Walmart? where they have like 10 free flat screen TVs to divide between a thousand really angry, sleep deprived, slightly inebriated, like NASCAR grandmothers who are like, you know, I want the TV. I mean, it's, it's scary. People line up in tents and it's like, just take mine. I don't even want, like, I'm not even gonna watch TV anymore. You can have it. I mean, it's crazy. Jesus said, the doors of heaven have been opened and like, we can't even get the crowd in the doors. Because the world has always desired to be close to God, they just didn't know how. And now we've made it very easy. We've opened the door. Can you imagine if there was a Black Friday special to the first hundred people in the door? Heaven, eternal life, forgiveness of sin, inner peace, purpose in life. First ten in the door, get it free. How many people would line up for heaven, eternal life, forgiveness, inner peace, purpose in life? Jesus said, I have made it easy for spiritually desperate people because I've opened the door while telling the people who were spiritual debaters rather than spiritually desperate, you can go away. Like you're standing in the doorway and people are trying to get in. Y'all need to move your debate someplace else. You know, I pray that we will have a church that's filled with people who are spiritually desperate, not spiritual debaters. Because the kingdom, Jesus says, belongs to people who are spiritually desperate. Let the debaters go someplace else to debate their stuff. Give us Jesus, and that will be enough for us. You know, I, I, uh, I grew up in a real small town in southern Ohio. Um, we, we, had, we had like a, a thing in, in town that the people called a restaurant, but it wasn't really a restaurant, like one stoplight. We did have a Dairy Queen, but a gas station with one pump. But we had one restaurant, and, and its name was The Restaurant. Um, I, I kid you not, that was the name. Um, but every now and then, we would drive like 40 minutes into town, and, and we would eat at like this really nice steakhouse called Bonanza. Have, have any of you ever like heard of Bonanza? And then at one point in time, Bonanza got bought out by like Ponderosa, and it was like an upgrade, like the chicken wings and the meatballs on the Ponderosa buffet. I mean, it was like heaven on earth compared to the restaurant that was called the restaurant in, in my hometown. And you know, when, when, I, when I moved you know, to college and then I came here, uh, I, I remember Danielle and I's First anniversary. You remember our first anniversary, Danielle? Bought Danielle a nice dress. And, and I was like, you know, I'm going to take her out to eat. Uh, and I remember I went to someone in my life who was from the Kansas City area. And I was like, man, you know, I'm celebrating my first anniversary. Like, uh, where, where do I find, like, a really nice steakhouse like Ponderosa? Um, <laughs> you know, in Kansas City, they laugh at you. And the guy was like, Christian, listen, you don't want to go to Ponderosa. There's a place on the plaza, the plaza. Um, called Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You, you want to you really treat your wife right, you need to take her to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. All right. So I took Danielle to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. 
And it was very different than Ponderosa. Um, <laughs> we get in, and I'm dressed up, and Danielle's wearing her, her new dress. Well, I can picture it like, it like it was yesterday. I think you had a bun in your hair that night. Am I right? Do you remember? You don't, probably don't remember that far back. Um, and I remember that, you know, they came, and like the waiter came to our table, and his name was probably something like Jives or Cheeves or something, you know, something really fancy. Um, and he's like, uh, do you want water for your table? I was like, yeah. And he said, tap, bottled, or sparkle? And being a redneck, I said, well, which one's free? You know, and like, Danielle kicks me under the table. And it's like, don't do that. And I'm like, it's water, you know? How can you have three options for water? Some people have taken Jesus, and they have boiled him down to six, like, what kind of Jesus? I just want Jesus. You know, I have people, when they find out we, we, we're a brand-new church, they're like, you know, well, what, what denomination is your church? I'm looking for a particular brand of Jesus. What denomination is your church? Or they'll say, you know, what do you believe theologically about this? And you know what? I, I have answers for all that, but the truth is that, listen, like, we're just about Jesus, right? Like, regular, old-fashioned, the free kind, Jesus. You don't have to pay for this, right? Just Jesus. <laughs> they brought the bill that night and like this was in the day before debit cards and stuff they brought the bill that night and I remember opening it and I said loud enough for the restaurant to hear it $98 <laughs> and like everyone looked and I was like I got the expensive water you know what I told Danielle I was like I only have $100 in my pocket um, and she gave me the age old wisdom uh, you know that uh, we used when we were stupid and young and we'll talk more about this in November she said, just use the credit card it's like, yes, I forgot about the free money on my credit card. I will use my credit card. And I was like, you know, if I use my cash, I'll only have like $2 tip, and, you know, the waiter will think I'm cheap. And Daniel said, you know, I think he probably already does when you ask him which water was free. Um, but use a credit card. And, and you know, we, we, I don't know that we even paid that credit card off for like 10 years when we met Dave Ramsey and, and through a book. He, he was like, you're an idiot. Uh, I, I bet I paid. 20% interest on that meal for 10 years. I bet I paid $3,000 for that steak <laughs> at Ruth's Chris. It's like, next year, Ponderosa, right? Ponderosa. I ain't going back to, to that. But listen, let's, hey, at our church, let's just focus on Jesus. This year, you know, we have said we're getting ready to move into year two. And we said let's focus on three things this year at our church. Spiritual passion. Let's be more passionate. Let's grow spiritually this year, and let's develop spiritual friendships. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it free. Let's just figure out what's the best way to pursue Jesus. Passion, growth, friendship. Let's pursue Jesus that way, the, the free kind, like the normal kind. No strings attached kind. And let's see what happens in our life. You know, God predicted in the Old Testament that when people pursue Jesus and nothing else, there would be a mad rush for the kingdom of God. In Jeremiah 29, 13, Jesus said, or God said this through the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Like when you cut the nonsense, when you get rid of the debate and you're just looking for Jesus, you'll find me. If you get there, you'll find me. And it'll radically change your life. So we see the value of planning ahead. We see the value of, hey, the door's open. Come on in while the mad rush is happening and why supplies still last. And then we find number three, we see the value of now. We see the value of now. Do things now you can't do once you're not here anymore. And in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through uh, 31, 
Jesus tells the story of two men who have died and they're having a conversation in eternity. One has lived their life pursuing God. He's in heaven. One has lived their life in defiance of God. He's in a place that the Bible just calls torment in Luke chapter 16. And they're discussing what they would like to tell people who are still on earth, what they wish people on earth still knew now that they were in eternity. And here's how the story goes. Luke 16, starting in verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, and he was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you're there in agony. Verse 26, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they won't come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses, they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. If someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. And he said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Listen, we, we see here people in eternity who are screaming what they wish they could scream if they had 10 more minutes on earth. Get ready for eternity. Tell people about eternity. One day it's going to be a reality for everyone. Tell people about eternity. In Philippians 1, verses 21 through 23, we see a really interesting verse from uh, a, a guy named Paul who wrote a church, who, who wrote a letter to a church uh, in Philippi. We, we have the letter in the New Testament. It's called Philippians. And here's what Paul says. For to me, to live is Christ. So if I live, I'm going to be a Christian. But to die is gain. Now, I don't know that anyone in here would rather die than live life as a Christian, but Paul said, I'd rather die than live. Why? If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I'm going to tell more people about Jesus. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between living and dying. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Now, how could he know that? How could he know that heaven is better than earth? And that we should help people understand that heaven is better than earth? Well, because according to 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, Paul was either given a vision of heaven or Paul died for a few short moments on planet earth and he saw heaven. But Paul said, I've been there, I've seen it somehow, I'm not even sure how, but like I'd rather be there than here. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, he's talking about himself to this church in Corinth, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I love Paul's honesty here. I don't know if I was dead. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know what happened, but like somehow I got a glimpse of heaven. He said, I don't know, but God does. And I know that this man, whether he was in the body, apart from the body, I don't know, God knows. He was caught up to paradise. And he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is even permitted to tell. He said, I've seen a glimpse of heaven. And like, I'd rather be there than here. And if I live here, I'll live my life as a Christian. And I'll tell other people about Jesus and I'll tell other people about heaven, but I'd like rather go there right now. In Revelation 22:20, 20, the Apostle John 
was shown a picture of heaven throughout the book of Revelation. We've been studying that this month in Revelation 21. And at the end of his book, after seeing what heaven looked like, John says, he who testifies to these things, that's him, says, yes, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John says, amen, come Lord Jesus, like right now. Like now that I have seen it, I'd rather be here than there. So the the two guys in the New Testament who had seen a glimpse of heaven were like, I'm ready right now. I'd rather be there than here. You know, how are you going to be remembered? Are you going to have any Todds in your life that you're not responsible for their soul? Because we're, we're only responsible for our own. But you are responsible for caring enough about their soul that you brought someone and said, listen, I just, this one time, I, just, I want you to come to church this one time. I want you to hear about this Jesus I've given my life to. I want you to hear about this heaven the Bible talks about. I want you to be able to choose whether or not you want to go there. I just want to put it in your hands. Choose the here and now. Man, I think about, uh, I don't know if any of you know a man named Matthew Ionella, but he's a, uh, he's a guy who died a few weeks ago in New York City. He was a New York City crime boss. And we talk about having people talk about you and talking about how you're responsible for caring enough about their soul that you would show them Jesus and show them heaven. This was the obituary written for Matthew Ionella in the New York Times uh, three days after he died. We talk about being remembered well. It says, Matthew Ionella the low-key, reputed Genovese crime boss known as Matty the Horse, who was convicted of rigging construction bids, skimming union dues, and wringing protection money from bar owners, pornography peddlers, and topless dancers during a half-century career that, among other highlights, helped transform Times Square into the dingy world capital of peep shows in the 60s and 70s, died on August 15th in his home. He was 92. What a legacy. It's like, this guy who ruined the world is dead, the end. Now imagine that versus someone one day at your funeral. So so you think about funerals every now and then. Standing up and saying, because of this person, I I am closer to God, giving my life to Jesus. I know I'm going to go to heaven when I enter the next world. And I even know all about it because this person cared enough to tell me they cared enough to invite me we have focused a lot on us in this bible teaching series today we focus on those in our lives who we care desperately about we just want them to know what we know what jesus has done for us we believe he's real yeah it takes faith but we we've placed our faith in that and it's it's been good good for us good to us and as we wrap up this series on heaven that's been one of the favorite series that we have done this year Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And we took our offering early so that we don't have to hurry. And I preached a short message. Say, why? Because the chiefs kick at noon. No, I'm just kidding. But somebody told me last week, they were like, Christian, you preach 10 minutes shorter on average during football season. Is that intentional? And I emailed back, that's none of your business. Um, But we finished a little early today for this reason. Because I want to give you just a few moments this morning to pray for the person or the family or the friend that you're going to try to bring next week to church so they can hear about Jesus and make up their own mind. That's all. That's why we passed out these cards so that uh, you could be reminded that we got a big Sunday coming up. On the back, the person I'm praying for, I've asked you to kind of write the name of one person in here that you care deeply about, that 
you want them to know, hey, like the door to heaven is wide open. The door to God is wide open. All Whatever religious burdens and debates you've struggled with in the past, like that's gone. You need to know the door is wide open. Do, do you want to come in? That's the message of next week. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do as, as we close in prayer today. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just be in a spirit of prayer all over this room as Phil plays quietly. And if there is someone that you've been like thinking about this month as we have talked about this upcoming Sunday, someone that you're hoping will come and hear about Jesus and kind of see your faith in action so they can choose whether or not they want that. Like, not just, yeah, I need to reach them, but you've been thinking like of a specific person with a specific name, maybe a family member, a friend, or a coworker, a neighbor. You've been considering inviting somebody this week. Would you just slip your hand up with nobody looking around? Yeah, Christian, I've got like a real person that, I have, that I've been thinking about. Raise it high. There's only like three or four. I know there's more of you than that. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you raised your hand as we just pray quietly. I'm going to ask you maybe one more time to write their name on a card. And we're going to close today's service by allowing you to come forward. We really don't have an altar. We just have a gym floor. But, you know, the Bible says come near to God and he'll come near to you. And there's something about just being able to come forward and praying. It's, it's like physically taking steps towards God to say, God, like, I'm trying. Meet me halfway. Now, you don't have to do it. You can pray in your seat and pray in your chair. doesn't mean you're unspiritual or you're not planning to invite anyone. But even if you don't have somebody that you're inviting next week, there's going to be a lot of people in the house who are bringing friends. And I'm going to ask you to pray today that next week... Jesus is made real. God's love is made simple. Heaven is made available. And that people will respond. So as Phil prays, if you have a person you want to pray for, or if you just want to come forward today to just pray for our church in general, that next week will be a great day. I'm just going to ask you to leave your seat right now and to just come and just spend a few moments praying for these people by name, maybe with your husband or wife or a friend or a neighbor. Um, and you can just come. If nobody comes, we'll... We'll hurry up and dismiss. But if you want to come on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to come forward. One, two, three, while Phil keeps playing. God, I just pray for these who are here praying. 
for specific people, friends, neighbors, family members, co-workers. God, the people that they're here praying for are people who need you and what you have for their life. Their marriages who may not make it if they don't get things straightened out. Their addictions that may never get righted if things don't get straightened out. Their heartache that will never be comforted if things don't get straightened out. So God, I pray for every name represented across the front of this altar this morning. And for those who are in the seats praying for people that they might want to invite, people they're thinking about inviting, and those who are just praying that next week you'll be here. God, I pray that next week, man, we'll just serve regular water as a church. Help us not to confuse people about what it means to be a Christian or what they have to do in order to become a Christian, but help us just to offer people the free, what Jesus said in John chapter 4, the free living water where once you get it, like you never thirst again spiritually. Please let your spirit be in this place. And as a church, let us, let us see like a mini movement of God, like where we have a service that's unlike any that we've ever had before and we leave and just think that's one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of in my life. Let that happen next week at this church. And be with our people as they call people and text people and set up lunch appointments and as they just invite people to church. Give them courage. Help them not to be weird. God, I pray that you'll help a lot of people say yes and come and be a part of what we're doing. And Lord, on behalf of those who are here praying today, we ask all this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, one more prayer. I'm going to ask you one more time to bow your, bow your heads and close your eyes. Say, Christian, I'm going to fall asleep if you keep my eyes closed very much longer. That's all right. If you fall asleep, you're not the one I'm praying this last prayer for. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed while you all work your way back to your seat. There's some of you in here today that if we wait for next week to offer you water, you might not be able to make it next week. So, like since you're here, maybe today is your day. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you need to know today that the doorways of heaven, the doorways to a relationship with God are wide open. And all it takes is you entering. Like you don't have to drop anything off. You don't have to carry anything in. You just have to soul with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Step through. Say, God, I don't even know about all this, but I trust it. I want a relationship with you. I didn't know it was possible. Wow, if the doors are open, I'm in. If that's you and you've never done that, then today is the day you can start your relationship with God. And you can start it by praying a prayer. Christian, I'm not really even, like I'm not even really sure how to pray. I'll pray. You can just pray after me. You don't even have to pray out loud. You can just pray it in your heart today. You can pray to a God who's listening, who loves you, who accepts you as you are, who will put his spirit in your heart and life to begin to transform you, to make you more like him. If that's you today, and today's your day, you've come a week early, but that's okay because God's here today too. And pray this prayer just in your heart, not even out loud, dear God, today. I desire a relationship with you. I desire to be close to you. I desire to be with you in heaven one day when I die. So today, because I'm thinking about my future and I'm thinking about eternity, today I give my heart to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins for staying away from you so long. And I place my faith that Jesus was real, that his messages are trustworthy, that he really died to forgive me, to give me eternal life. 
come into my life today, Lord. I want to follow you and be close to you. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, please, nobody looking around. But if you just prayed that prayer this morning and invited Jesus to become Lord of your life so that you could be close to God, would you just kind of slip your hand up so that I can know it today, Christian? Yeah, I just prayed with you. Can you slip it up in that? Yep, anybody else? Just up quick and down quick. Yeah, Christian, I just prayed with you. Lord, thank you for people making spiritual decisions at our church. That's why we're here. Help people to know that we are always here. The door is always open. And you are always willing to reach down and begin a relationship with humanity. We love you. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, amen.